Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Hey fans, Lindsay Cortez here, and I'm so excited for today's episode because I'm here with one of my clients, Allie Armstrong. She is a runner, triathlete, former dancer. She's a community manager of Whole Soul Blend, a yoga and fitness instructor as well. And it's actually been a really long time since I've had a client testimonial episode, which is kind of bizarre. I don't really know what happened. We had clients, we had great results. But I think honestly, it comes down to the fact that the truth is these things are challenging to talk about. And so I'm so appreciative of Ali being willing to share her experiences, her journey, and really be an inspiration and role model to other people. So yeah, it's been a long time since we had a client testimonial episode. And Allie, welcome to the show. And thank you so, so much for everything that we're going to talk about. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So I think let's just start with painting the picture for our listeners. Can you tell us a bit, and, and obviously sometimes there's a long history, but just thinking more specifically, you came to Rise Up Nutrition in the spring of 2022. Can you tell us what was going on specifically at that time in your life and that, that made you reach out and kind of how you found out about me and us? Yeah, Absolutely. So I had been in inpatient treatment for my eating disorder, and I was stable at a place where I was ready to discharge and go to outpatient, but I didn't necessarily want to go back to my providers that didn't understand athletics and sports and my goals going forward. And so I had been listening to your podcast. I actually found you a couple months earlier with the red ass journey and just really trying to get back to health. And just kind of heard about your different programs and the ad spots in your episodes and decided to reach out and learn more once I was ready to leap down to outpatient care. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, and that is one of the reasons why, as I said before, I love having clients on the podcast because I think it gives those real life experiences of like, if you are listening and you're somebody that's like, oh, I resonate with this. I need help. That's exactly what we're here for is to reach out just as Ali did, make a phone call and see if this could be the right fit for you as well. So can you tell us a bit about like you were getting treatment or had just received treatment at a eating disorder treatment center? So what were some of the things that you would describe as like you resonating with having an eating disorder? What were What are some of the things that you struggled with when it came to food or food and body and exercise? Absolutely. So I struggled a lot with restriction and just not being able to fuel my body enough for the exercise I was doing. I struggled a lot with body dysmorphia. So thinking that I was in a different body than I truly was. 
And then I just struggled a lot with the kind of not being able to match my goals with my nutrition. So wanting to get better at sport and thinking that being lighter would be better. Um, I started out a dancer growing up. And so I was always told that you had to be the lightest as possible, that you had to have the long legs, the slim body, all that type of thing, which kind of perpetuated dieting at a really young age. Um, So then transitioning more to endurance sports as I got older, it definitely allowed those same type of, I'm trying to think of the right word there, stereotypes, I guess, and just false notions that lighter is better, especially with running. And so that made me think that I needed to keep dieting, that I needed to be a certain body shape and size, and it just became super unhealthy. Um, I also had a really big fixation on kind of the orthorexic mindset. So trying to eat as healthy as possible, which did not give me enough energy for my sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point that there's certain environments or cultures, perhaps like the dance culture that wasn't healthy for you kind of put in this mindset of the lighter is better mentality. But if we don't overcome that, even when you leave that culture, that mentality can follow you. So whether it was already embedded in the running culture is one thing, but like, I even think like, even if you didn't get into running, like that could have followed you into your job or into any, any other thing that you did. I think once that mentality is ingrained in your brain, we really have to overcome it. So it doesn't just follow us through onto the next thing that we do in our life. Because, and I just say that because I've seen people who are in toxic environments or situations, but like you still have to get to the root of it and heal that and leaving the environment or situation will be super helpful for you to overcome it, but you don't want it to follow you onto your next thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So at what point in your life did you decide that intensive treatment was needed for this instead of just, oh, this is a mentality I have. It's not healthy. Like at what point in your life did you know, I I need real help with this? Yeah. So I definitely started kind of showing signs of an eating disorder when I was in high school. And that was along with dance. I always ran kind of on the side as cross training and just because I loved it. But it didn't become an issue until kind of mid to late high school. And it wasn't until mid-college during actually the beginning of COVID that I really realized that I needed help. At that point, I had run my first two marathons and qualified for Boston, something that I was really excited about. But I could just tell that I wasn't fueling my body right, that I was really tired, not recovering well, and just didn't have the energy to even go to class and do homework and go to work and hang out with friends and spend time with family and all those things that I wanted to do. The only things I had energy for were to train. And so I realized that I needed help. And that wasn't something that I was able to do on my own. Yeah. I think you just painted that picture so perfectly of like, you were doing all these amazing things athletically and a Boston Marathon qualifier is no easy feat. And yet you didn't have enough energy to do anything else really in life. And that's yeah, not good. <laughs> you know, weird because I could walk or I could run 20 miles, no problem. And then I would go to class and walk up the stairs to class and I'd be completely out of breath and struggling. And so I thought that that was something that was so interesting about the situation. And that I know a lot of other athletes go through is there's that athlete mentality where your body is just in go mode. And then there's the life mentality. And when your eating disorder or disordered eating starts taking over into the life mentality, 
even if it hasn't completely taken over the sport mentality, it's still not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such a, I think that's a, such a telltale sign of energy deficiency because when you're out running 20 miles, your body is like, well, crap, I'm running 20 miles. I got to figure it out. Right. So your sympathetic nervous system is an overdrive. Like your body figures out a way to get through it. Mm -hmm. But then when you have those moments, those rest days that I'm just leisurely at class, it's like your body's like, I can't do this anymore. And that is a telltale sign of energy deficiency because your body's prioritizing sport and nothing else. And so it was everything else like, you know, didn't get the energy, attention, recovery focus that you really needed. Yeah, absolutely. So that was because of the, you know, stark difference, I think, physically. And did you also find that this like mentally was taking over, especially that orthorexia piece that resonates with you, where we're always trying to make the air quotes healthiest choice for everything? Did you find that this was really taking over like your daily thoughts or mental health? Because orthorexia is something that can be constantly on our mind every bite every food that we're eating. Is this right? Is this good? Is this bad? Will this hurt me? So how was that affecting you and showing up in your life on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. So I felt a ton of pressure to live the healthiest lifestyle possible. At this point, I was just starting my yoga and fitness teaching career. I was going to school for nutrition. And I was just known as like the healthy one in my friend groups and my family. And so I felt a lot of pressure to keep that up. And so in the what started out as a hobby for healthy living turned into just that complete orthorexic obsession, thinking always about what I was eating, what I was going to eat next, what foods would be best to eat in front of other people, how could I eat in front of other people, and then how all that related to sport and performance. So it was really tiring. It's so exhausting. And I think that so many people will resonate with this. It's even something, Ali, that I resonate with, like, when I did struggle with nutrition while I was studying nutrition as a college student. And it's like you, I think first and foremost, we need to maybe just be a little humble and recognize like, wait, we're students. We don't have to have all the answers yet, but also know that we do, we don't have to embody this identity of being the healthy person. Like you can be a yoga teacher. And that doesn't mean that you're eating a certain way. You can be a dietitian, and that doesn't mean that you eat a certain way or don't eat a certain way. I think that as athletes and health professionals, we feel those pressures of like holding up to a standard as to what healthy looks like. And the crazy thing about it is it, we, it winds up making us unhealthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's something I think for listeners to really think about if you're feeling that pressure of like holding up an identity of being healthy, being fit, being active, and really challenging yourself, I think, to like stand in front of the mirror and really ask yourself, is this healthy? If my thoughts are obsessive, if I can't stay focused in class, if I'm having trouble going up the stairs and I'm winded, is that really, really healthy? And I think that's something else that was really important for me to recognize is there was so much judgment around other people's behaviors. And so if I was learning a certain diet pattern in my classes, or not necessarily diet, but just way of eating, and I would see other people around me coming in with foods that I didn't think were acceptable, I would judge my classmates of, oh, how are you going to be a health professional if you are eating that way? Or same in the yoga community, how are you 
a good yoga teacher if you don't do these things. And so there was just a lot of judgment and it doesn't feel good to be super judgmental towards other people. Yeah. It doesn't feel good because I like knowing you because I know you now, like that's not authentically who you are. So that's why it was like this dark disconnect. But I think also when you're passing that judgment on other people, like I said before, it's like, hold the mirror in front of you. Like actually that judgment you're passing on other people is usually a reflection of the judgment you're holding for yourself, you know? And so we might need to, and and it can start either way. You can start with not judging other people might help you find that forgiveness for yourself, or it might go vice versa. If you can find that space to lose, to let go of the judgment for yourself, then you're also showing more understanding and compassion for other people at the same time. Yeah. So we're going to get to our program. You join the female athlete system of transformation, but I also, I would love to just hit on your experiences with an eating disorder treatment center and doing a PHP, which stands for partial hospitalization program. And there is a time and a place for treatment centers and perhaps a time and a place for more outpatient things, or even what we do outpatient, but also like virtual is I think another, just another category, right? But for you, I'd love to hear with what you were experiencing, just the benefits of, of going to a treatment center at that time in your life. Absolutely. So I've been to treatment twice now. And the reasons why I needed to go to a higher level of care were because I needed help getting my meals in. I needed help refraining from exercise. I needed more care than just once a week or once or twice a week of the outpatient level. I think the most beneficial parts were just the accountability, being with others who are also struggling, and then also just having those meals set. So it's mealtime and going to eat rather than just being on my own, really having that mental battle of, oh, like, what should I make? Am I going to eat it? Who should I eat with? That was none of that was there. That was all taken away. And so that was really helpful. And so, yeah, I think that's what I needed at that time. And then once I was able to kind of do those things more consistently, I was able to come to an outpatient level and work on fine tuning that and then figuring out how to fuel as an athlete, not just a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the accountability and people that are making sure you're eating, right? Like if you, as we already mentioned in the beginning of this episode, restriction was something that you were really struggling with. And so when somebody truly is not putting enough on their plate or skipping meals. I think the benefits of a treatment center is they're going to make sure that you are nourishing and fueling your body, that those, you know, habits in this case of restriction aren't happening. Because with that being said, when you're fueling your body consistently, now physically, you're going to see improvements in things like heart rate or just medical stability, GI function, and then mentally, right? Because food fuels your brain. And so when you're struggling with restriction, you're also, it makes thinking and all those decisions even harder. So now after going to a treatment center and getting some weeks in of actually I'm fueled, my brain is thinking clearly or more clearly. Now we can start to make decisions for ourselves on an understanding food or what we need and then hold yourself accountable in an outpatient setting on your own of, okay, I know I need to make lunch now. You know, this is what I used to have. Let me try that. But yeah, I think when we're really restricting and our brain isn't even thinking clearly, those decisions are going to be so much harder at mealtime to follow through with. Absolutely. And I think part of it too is the motivation. 
I think in order to be successful at any level of treatment, there needs to be a lot of motivation, but especially is true when you go down to outpatient because you have to choose to show up every day. You have to choose to work on the goals that you set. You have to choose to, in your case, do the modules and join the group calls and do the extra challenges and everything. And so it requires a lot of motivation and it requires the right timing as well. Yeah. So, so now we'll fast forward and we'll talk about our program. (laughs) Um, So you were in a place where you had made the decision and the choice. I want to fuel myself and take care of myself and I can hold myself accountable. Therefore, how do I set myself up for success with the right people and team? And I think you kind of already mentioned, but for you, like having somebody who understood the athletic side of things was important for you. So that was one of your biggest draws to to the fast track. With that being said, and for all of our listeners, Allie is an amazing athlete. And yet in our very first call, you even told me like, you need to hold me accountable for doing less. (laughs) Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I've always struggled with is when I'm told to limit or completely stop exercise, having the ability to actually stop as an athlete, it's what makes me feel good. It's what gives me mental clarity. It's what gives me a lot of times, not full purpose, but definitely a purpose to work towards. So being able to live without exercising to earn food or to have mental clarity or to have relationships was really important for me to establish. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka a fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. Yeah. And so it's so important because here we are as dietitians and sports dietitians, we want you to fuel so that you can train and participate in sport and athletic, because I agree with you. It's something that can bring so much value to your life and purpose to your life in a positive way. And the reasons that we would hold somebody back or slow them down is when it's actually not bringing positivity to your life, right? When it's hurting you mentally or hurting you physically or stressing you out. And so I think from the get-go, when we work together, movement was involved, but maybe not yet training. And as we worked together and as you held yourself accountable 
and continue to challenge, you know, yourself with your fueling and make progress mentally and physically, then we started to have those conversations of, okay, what does training look like? Can I set some goals now? And really working with you on that. So whether we we keep talking about the exercise piece or just some other things, I'd love to just hear from you. You made the decision, okay, outpatient team, somebody who understands sports, and then you joined us. And if we could just kind of give a quick summary to our listeners of in your 12-week program of the Female Athlete System of Transformation, what were some of the biggest ways that you feel you transformed? Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things was to be able to get back to a higher load of exercise and training and doing so in a way that fueled my body. And it's a work in progress, but learning how to have the pre-workout and the post-workout and ensure I'm getting enough carbohydrates and proteins and everything that I need in order to fuel my body. One of the things that I felt like was so beneficial for this program was getting a custom meal plan. And so I've worked with dietitians in the past where everything has been very general and they don't necessarily have time to really dig deep into the specifics. And so my favorite thing about the program was the nutrient analysis. And so Lindsay and the team go through and just kind of map out everything that your body needs versus what you're currently taking in and work with you to get to your goals. And that was super helpful. And the way that I approached it was going with a tailored meal plan. So they would send me recipes and I would make them and it would have like the serving sizes and also allow some flexibility of, of course, if I don't have blackberries on hand, maybe blueberries were fine, something like that. So it wasn't extremely strict, but it allowed me to have a structure to work on because I didn't have any sort of idea of how much I was supposed to eat. Even coming out of treatment where they gave me all my meals and snacks every day, I still wasn't able to do that on my own and truly believe that that's what I needed, especially adding an exercise again. And so having that accountability and then having the weekly check-ins of like, no, like this is actually what you're supposed to be eating. That was just so beneficial. And having the constant availability to message Lindsay and Jenna, that was so helpful as well. So I think those were my favorite ways of the program for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think I get a lot of people who will ask me like, do you make meal plans? And I always give this vague answer because... um we do and we can. However, like you're not going to live your whole life on a meal plan, right? And so there, I think for everybody, there's a time and a place for when do we need a meal plan structure. But one of the biggest things is we want to teach you what does right look like for your body. So if we make a meal plan, it is going to be custom and tailored of this is what your body needs. And not only were you, as we went through the weeks, um, your training changed and increased as you were doing well and responding and everything. So kind of those meal plans morphed and changed a little bit. And then also something we haven't even hit on yet, but I do want listeners to know is that you do eat mostly vegan and plant-based. And so that was another thing of like, if we're just being general, then it doesn't always really help you with the like, how do I have appropriate protein options? And like, specifically, like, what's a good snack? Like, it's not just, oh, pair a protein in a car, but like, no, like, let's go buy dried chickpeas and more frozen edamame and like giving you, I think, more specific foods. And I do want to give a shout out to Jenna, who worked closely with you because Jenna, our other sports dietitian, is 
I will say one of the reasons I hired her just to sneak this in this episode is because some areas where as a dietitian, I was somewhat insecure in, she is more, I would say better at, right? So Jenna is really good at plant-based diets. And I was like, yes, I need to hire somebody who's good at that. So Jenna worked really well with you specifically on making those custom meal plans that had a plant focus and were still what your body needed as a female athlete. And so, yeah, going back to that question of like meal plans and stuff, it's going to be different for everybody because you can't live your life on it, but you also need to learn and understand what does right look like for me and how do I actually do that? What are recipes to try and challenge myself with? Because if we keep doing all the same things you used to do, then you're not making progress. So it comes with like stepping outside your comfort zone, trying a new meal, trying a new recipe, trying a new combination. Yeah. And I think the most beneficial part too was getting some of those new recipe ideas and snack ideas because especially because I do follow a mostly plant-based diet, it can be pretty limited and it's really easy to get stuck in boxes. And so having things like the dried edamame that necessarily wasn't part of my diet before, being able to add that in and kind of get used to that and have that as just an easy, quick snack, super helpful. And just incorporating like different grains, different types of beans, different protein sources, just kind of having like a third party to be like, this is okay. This is what your body needs. And these are some different ways you can do this. And then that allowed me to kind of start drifting off from the meal plan and being able to trust my body more. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that is something we worked towards by the end of our 12 weeks. We actually stopped, I think our final like two or three weeks, we stopped making you a meal plan because we're like, all right, like, can you do this on your own? And it was nice that, you know, we were here to, you know, after a week or two of kind of course correct and be like, all right, like, well, you know, your snacks, we got to, you know, do a little bit better on that again. And just, I know you and I had a good conversation recently about recovery as you're ramping up your training more and stuff. And so you're at a place now where you have these, custom meal plans that guided you for so long, showed you what right looked like. And then we sort of weaned you off of that to trusting in yourself, but you still had me and Jenna and your team to course correct you and catch you. And, you know, you have sort of this like database of menus and meals and snacks that you can pull from now. Exactly. Like all the meals are still there. There's still options. And that's what's cool is like, I don't necessarily have to follow the meal plan, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. But I can go back and be like, oh, that tempeh breakfast sandwich is really good. I'll make that for breakfast and know that I'm getting what I need. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And now, and this is where like, you know, things like eating intuitively come into play. Like, what am I craving today? What do I really want? Well, I know that these foods provide me with a great nourishing meal. And this is what I feel like having today. So it's my choice instead of being like super structured and I have to eat this. Exactly. Yeah. Let's touch on on being plant-focused and vegan for a bit because that came with its challenges in recovery overall. You did kind of already mention sometimes just eating that way in and of itself can feel limiting and can be limiting because it reduces some of your options. And that was one of our main goals of working together was to make sure that you knew that you had plenty of options and to challenge you with, with more options. But we also had a lot of discussions about, you know, really make, I think even just the terms, terminology that we use, like I kind of, I said, I was like, you're vegan or mostly vegan because I was trying not to put you in a box, right? Yeah. To know that actually, you know, it's not 
Allie, the vegan, it's Allie who fuels her body that day with the meals, however best suits her and her body and her mind that day. Could you share with us some ways that choosing a plant-focused and vegan diet was hurting you and some way, of course, some, we know that, well, maybe you can start, sorry, I'm like stumbling on my words, but maybe you can start by sharing why you like that style of eating. So the ways that it helps you, what's good about it, but then the ways that it maybe was limiting you as far as eating disorder recovery goes. Absolutely. So I am mostly plant-based because I want to make a difference in live by my values And one of my values is to reduce my harm and impact on the world and to not be as harmful towards other creatures. And for me, how I follow that is by reducing my meat intake and my animal product intake, which then reduces my environmental impact, as well as I personally don't want to eat animals for the animal cruelty aspect of it. And so those are the morals that I want to live by. But at times it has come in conflict with my eating disorder and allowed me to limit foods even more. So I've had to really have that journey of like, am I plant-based because I'm trying to live by my values or am I plant-based because then I don't have to eat certain food or I can use that as an excuse to restrict because this restaurant doesn't have anything vegan. And it's a tricky balance, especially when I have to fuel my body for athletics, I need to make sure I need to get enough iron and B12 and protein and all the things that I previously just kind of eye rolled that that could even be a concern and thinking, well, I'm eating a lot of plants, so I must be getting everything I need. Even though I did have that nutrition background, it was really hard to focus on myself and to believe that I might not be getting all those things. So I think it takes a lot more intention to be able to eat healthy on a plant-based diet some supplementation and some flexibility, which is definitely challenging, especially because oftentimes, especially like the vegan community and other communities that have specific rules around the diet. And so just being able to have that flexibility has been a huge learning curve and a big gain that I've gotten from this program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I I appreciate your personal values right? That, and I respect that. And that's important, but it does need to be a clear line of, is this for, uh, yeah, personal values and morals versus feeding and fueling the eating disorder. And so teasing through that in and of itself is super important. And therefore, if it's for morals and, and values, then I think you have a lot more freedom in your choices right then and there. Because even like you mentioned, maybe the vegan community feels like it has these rules around food. Like that's something that can feed into disordered eating. And so you really want to know that there's, there are no rules. You get to decide what is the right choice for your body. And that was absolutely something we challenged you with going out to restaurants and stuff like that. And as you mentioned, like it's not, it's figuring out in this situation what's the most important priority in this moment in time. And I think it can still be in alignment with your morals and ethics and values, but having a little bit more flexibility allows you, because like another thing, another goal of yours, besides not showing animal cruelty and and decreasing your impact on the environment, another goal of yours is to train at a high level. And another goal of yours is to overcome disordered eating. And another goal of yours is to be a healthy, truly healthy role model to 
to other female athletes and fitness professionals. And so it's like, well, in order to accomplish those other goals, something might need to have a little bit of wiggle room here. And so being flexible is really the way that you are able to accomplish all of your goals and and will be moving forward as well. Yeah, I think it's really similar to like in the eating disorder, if I have a fear food, that if I eat that fear food, nothing's bad's actually going to happen. There's no police that are going to come arrest me. There is nothing like the world's going to keep on turning. The sun's going to rise. That's the same thing with eating plant-based versus not eating plant-based. And if I eat something that is an animal product one day, no one is going to come harm me. The police aren't going to come arrest me. The sun's going to rise. Nothing bad is going to happen. And so just being able to realize that and pick up that practice and those reps of just doing it and being like, it's okay. And this might be the best choice for me right now. And that doesn't mean that that's the best choice for me in a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of years. Right. Absolutely. And so there were absolutely a few moments in this program where we did stray from those rules of a vegan diet a little bit because it was you challenging yourself to know it's okay. Nothing bad happened. This food didn't hurt me. In fact, I was able to have dinner and have a good time with friends and and move on with my day. And so I think it's really important. And I, I just, I think that's something for a lot of people to hear as plant-based diets are becoming more popular, but also eating disorders are also on the rise. And so I think it's something, I think it's really a delicate topic for people to work through and analyze their their relationship with food and why they're choosing to eat a certain way and to not let something that appears healthy on the outside, like a plant-based diet, to suddenly become restriction and rules and rigidity that turns into disordered eating. So thing I remind myself of is like, if there was a diet that actually quote unquote worked, then there wouldn't be all these other diets because that's what would work. So if paleo worked for everyone, if keto worked for everyone, if the Atkins diet worked for everyone, then that wouldn't exist. That these are just entities trying to make money and that they might work for some people, but they don't work for the majority of people. And they actually make people less healthy in a lot of situations. So just acknowledging that by eating what my body wants me to eat and fueling for athletics, that I'm actually healthier than when I try to follow a diet or try to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get back to the athletics piece here. So because when you were in PHP, there was no not supposed to be exercise. And then when you started with us, we were doing minimal. In fact, that was kind of what me and you were working on was like holding you back a little bit or like kind of like, you, let's paint the picture for our listeners. If I, if we weren't in the picture, you'd probably be signed up for an Ironman like this month, right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. So, and which paints the picture of your ambition and also what you truly are capable of. Ali is capable of this and she will do an Ironman someday. I have no doubts. It just has to be the right time. And when you're fueling your body for that, right? So in the beginning, we kind of held you accountable working on the food. You have to get your fueling up to par first before your training gets there, right? You want to fuel forward in that aspect instead of being like, this is my training and now I'm playing catch up with my fuel. It's really the opposite. It's fuel your body enough so that you can train. And so right now, um, can you share with our listeners kind of 
after the summer of really focusing on the fueling piece and getting that up to par, like what's next for you athletically? Yeah. So my goals are to kind of take a longer term approach towards my next race. But I would love to do my first half Ironman next June and my first full Ironman next October. So that is all step by step, making sure that my nutrition stays where it needs to be. But those are my current goals. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And painting that long term picture, right? Of we focus the summer on fueling to get us to a place where now we are training more consistently and then we'll keep gradually like building and building and building, which is also why do you want to share with listeners that Allie is so going to work with us. You're now part of the alumni program, which I've been talking about on the podcast a little bit as well, because I think it's important for people to hear like you've made so much progress in the fast track in the 12 weeks, but there's still, you have goals. There's still things that you're working on. And so having your nutrition team to fall back on will be so, so helpful. So unlike the first 12 weeks where we had to make those custom meal plans and really push you and challenge you for certain things, like you you can do so much of this on your own now, but we are your team to keep guiding you, keep giving you new inspiration, keep now as you're training and your goals, like gearing up for that half marathon, half Ironman that you want to train for, like making sure that your fueling is always matching that is something that through the alumni program, we can keep supporting and coaching you through. Yeah, absolutely. So it takes a really long time to build habits. And 12 weeks, you can make a lot of progress, especially in the fast track. But it's not enough time to just go out and be completely changed and not have any setbacks, especially adding in exercise. And so I wanted to join the alumni program in order to just have that community of other athletes also experiencing the same thing to still have a lot of contact with Jenna and Lindsay, and then to have new goals to work on. So this past month, we've been working on recovery, which is something that I really struggle with. And so just being able to have that accountability and challenges in order to go out and be like, okay, like after this workout, I'm going to try this recipe that Lindsay gave us to try. And this is the reason behind it. And here's some science to support it. And here's some new research that Lindsay has dove into. Because I truly don't believe that recovery can be done alone, whether it's recovery from eating disorder, recovering from not having your period, recovering from just low energy, anything that kind of results in this realm, even recovery from physical injury, like a broken bone or anything. So having that extra support has been really helpful so far. And I'm really excited to continue working with the alumni program. Yeah, me too. And absolutely. The fast track is there for a reason to fast to get you like really fast forwarded through the major obstacles. And I think you did such an amazing job. I do want to highlight something you mentioned in the beginning of like, it is a choice, like you do have to hold yourself accountable. We are virtual nutrition consulting. So if, if you're struggling to eat lunch, like, and you resonate with having an eating disorder, like that's where a PHP treatment center or, or intensive full treatment hospitalization type situations might be more appropriate. But when you're at a place where you're like, this is my choice, I'm ready to make the changes, then we will get you on the fast track to, to make the changes and be able to confidently say like, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, I still want my support team. And yeah, I'm still working on goals moving forward. You're moving forward you know, with your training and therefore fueling forward for that. But it's such a difference than where you were in the spring of like, you know, 
health not fully internal health not fully being there, not being allowed to exercise, which is something you really are passionate about and still having a lot of restrictions around food. And you're at a place now where you have so much more flexibility, so much more freedom, your physical health is in a great place. And you have a team to support you as you keep moving forward with your goals. Exactly. Yeah, I think that it's just incredible how much progress I've made in the last 12 weeks and weeks since. And that's just really a testament to you and Jenna and this program and just all the opportunities that exist. You guys are truly so supportive and it makes the world of a difference. Well, thank you, Allie. We do it for you. <laughs> so we just want to see you in, improve and reach your your personal goals. And so I think to kind of wrap this up, just advice that you might have for other female athletes that struggle with things that you've personally experienced. So orthorexia, restriction, the uh, contrast between wanting to live vegan lifestyle, but not sure how helpful that is for you, like all of that, or just treatment, training at the level you want, just what's some advice that you would have to other female athletes who resonate with your story or might be experiencing things that you experienced? Yeah, I definitely have like a couple of pieces on this. The first one is, I know it's really scary to take time off and prioritize your health because that could mean losing performance. But in the end, if I would have taken recovery more seriously earlier and really focused on nutrition, then I could have already been meeting some of my goals and not getting sidetracked. And so really just allowing yourself to start and be like, okay, like this might mean I have to cancel this race, but it will help me get it forward in the long run. And I won't have to do this down the road when I actually might be worse off mentally or physically or just closer to my goals and have to take time away. So that's kind of my first one is like, you don't have to be sick enough or bad enough or hurt enough or whatever that might be. Like if you have that intuition that something isn't right and there could be a solution or a different mode of training, that that might be what you need. And that's something that I really think about is like focusing on nutrition as part of the training. And so I might not technically be on my Ironman training schedule yet, but I am training by focusing on nutrition. And also just that like, just because you're not a professional or even collegiate athlete doesn't mean that you're not an athlete worthy of getting care by a sports dietitian, because that was something that I felt really insecure about for a long time because I was injured at late high school, didn't get to dance in college like I wanted to, and then pursued running as a hobby. And I train a lot, but I don't always feel like I'm worthy enough because I'm not holding one of those titles. So I think that is something too of like, just because you don't have one of those titles doesn't mean you're not worthy and not an athlete. And then finally, I would just say trust the process. It's really scary. But the more you jump in, the more you get out of it. So trust and believe and just give it a chance. You can always try something once. And if you hate it, then you don't have to try it again. That goes with food. That goes with training regimens. That goes with just different exercises. So there's always room to play and explore and dive in. Yeah, that was such good advice, Allie. I think you are worthy of care, treatment and help. You are also an athlete and worthy of fueling your body like an athlete, no matter where on that spectrum of athletics or competition we might 
fall on. You're worthy of seeing a sports dietitian if you want to move your body for performance and trust the process. Yeah. Amazing. So as you know, because you listen to the podcast, I'm going to ask you the same questions that we ask all of our guests for fun. Allie, if there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? I've been thinking about this. Um, I'd probably go with granola, but like purely Elizabeth granola, like that brand. It's really good. Yes. I know that is a fan favorite among many people, many clients, at least I'll say, I see it on the food journals all the time. Yeah, for sure. Love it. What is your favorite sport to participate in? Definitely running for sure. Yeah. How about as a spectator? What's your favorite sport? Yeah, that one varies. We're about to go into football season. So I would say probably football or the marathon. I know. I love, I love spectating marathon. I just, yeah, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. And I feel like non-runners just don't get that, but <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. And then football. I know. So what's your favorite football team? The Broncos. Yeah. I'm from Denver. Well, Denver area. So but learning to kind of be a 49ers fan since my boyfriend's from the Bay area. So we're expanding. you're expanding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And if there's a female athlete out there, a well-known or someone in your personal life that you want to give a shout out to for being fierce, fit, fueled and inspirational role model, who would that be and why? Yeah. Lately I've um, been following Amelia Boone on Instagram and she's just a super great role model. So I'd probably say her right now. Yeah. She's really great, especially in regards to this topic of like nutrition, fueling, treatment. And she's been very vocal about that in such a positive way throughout the last few years. So yeah. So shout out to Amelia Boone. And Ali, can't thank you enough. Like these having clients come share their real life experiences help so many people in knowing one, that they're not alone. And two giving them the hope that they can change just as you have. So can't thank you enough. And so excited to keep working with you. Maybe we'll do an Allie podcast episode, you know, round two a year from now. Where's Allie now? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, for our listeners, if, if Allie's story sounds like yours or any bits and pieces of it, remember that is what... We are here for at Rise of Nutrition and our unique one-on-one coaching program called the Female Athlete System of Transformation is the fast track to help you overcome disordered eating and fuel your body for your highest performances and your happiest self. And Allie is, I think, a testament to that. So thank you, Allie. Yeah, of course. If you're thinking about it, just do it. It's worth it. Love it. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S and download the red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by 
and access to our private Facebook community, Female Athlete Nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash reds. That's backslash R-E-D-S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. Become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.